This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. Take one hour of a digital fast. I don't care when it is. Make it the same hour for you so that way we're creatures of habit. You get used to that. Oh, that's my hour. And give yourself the grace to know that you're going to fail on these digital kind of dimensions that we've, we're, t- we're talking about or these, these baby steps. Mm-hmm. And when you fail, that's okay. Just restart the next week or you know, start again. G- give yourself the grace to know that this is a, it's going to be a journey. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about digital wellness. As busy employees and entrepreneurs, we can often be plugged into our phones and laptops for the majority of our waking hours. This can have an effect on our marriage and our relationship with our kids. Now, I'm no Luddite. Actually, I currently live with the label of digital entrepreneur as I make money through podcasts, social media, blogs, YouTube, and even freaking TikTok lately. (laughs) So how can someone like me be digitally well while making a living through my devices? Well, I've invited an expert to help me and you as this whole work from home revolution continues on with this new age conundrum that we all have. Mark Ostach is our guest today. Mark helps people find the courage to connect with themselves, their purpose, and with the people in their lives, both online and offline. Mark's goal is to restore energy and focus to organizations battling modern life's nonstop pace and growing sense of disconnection. As a nationally recognized speaker on digital wellness, Mark's been featured in USA Today and has done two TED Talks, and he's spoken to thousands of people all over the world. When Mark isn't helping people find the courage to connect, he enjoys writing music and going on walks with his family. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks for having me, Andy. Absolutely. Well, this is a topic that I am constantly trying to improve as a father, as a husband, as a business owner or small business owner. So let's talk about what digital wellness means. What does that definition actually mean? Quick disclaimer before we start. This conversation is not meant to make you feel guilty about how many times you check your phone or check your email or make you feel like you need to dodge me if you see me in the streets of Detroit. (laughs) Uh, That's a good clarification. The the, the conversation (laughs) today is just two dads trying to figure out how to manage digital life and, and, and real life. And I think that goes for a lot of people listening in today is like, how do you manage your digital demands while following through on your real world commitments. And there's no perfect science. So today's conversation is more of an awareness and things I've learned through my journey along the way. I so love that. Good there, disclaimer, everybody. Th- there's a disclaimer. Absolutely. <laughs> so back to your back to your question. What is digital wellness? I get this question a lot and I, I'd like to invite people into the metaphor of looking at our digital life the same way we look at our physical life. Mm-hmm. So think of the digital 
calories that you consume each day, the content behind the screen that you view, the uh, binge watching that you do, the polarizing headlines from the news, or the drama that exists on social media often. All those things are digital calories that you're consuming that impact your digital wellness. So being a digitally fit doesn't mean that you're anti-technology. It just means you're, you're really hyper attuned to the content that you consume and you know on a day where you're feeling down in the dumps and you take kind of inventory of the digital calories you've consumed to that point, you might have a chance to give yourself a better half of the day by being mindful of your digital wellness for the second half. And that could be taking a break from technology altogether or using technology as a way to inspire, motivate, uplift through texts, encouragement, things of that nature. So digital wellness is an umbrella that sits across your mind, your body, your spirit, and how you kind of show up. Yeah, this isn't about cursing people for using their phone or anything like that. This is about how we can take advantage of the blessing of this technology that we have in our hands, these supercomputers in our hands, and creating a wellness. And I like how you liken it to the calories because people can think of their physical wellness in the same fashion. If I ate a bunch of candy this morning and I'm wondering why my stomach doesn't feel that great, you can kind of liken it back to what you might have consumed with your phone as well, right? Yes, yeah. And, and you see that when you go into conversations, let's say with your spouse, right? It's like you're coming back from office or you're coming out of your office, your home office, and you're stepping into kind of dad life for a minute. You notice that you're still kind of thinking in the background of your mind, either the digital obligation of texts you didn't get back to or emails you flagged that are still on your mind, or you read a story, for example, that was just kind of polarizing in nature. You didn't necessarily subscribe to the content before you just kind of picked up and checked. I like to refer to our impulsive checking patterns as the holy trinity of checking, uh, <laughs> Gmail, Facebook, and uh, Instagram or whatever your, <laughs> whatever your is, third one is. Yeah. It's like your thumb just kind of does this like, you know, without even knowing it. So all that's to say is that when you then go to step back into the real world conversation with a spouse, that background is you're internally distracted. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to kind of totally shut things off. So I just like to encourage people to be mindful that our, these devices are tools, but they can also be black holes of temptation if we're not mindful of their impact on how we think, feel, and behave. Absolutely. Well, I understand and your motivation for caring about this today as a yes. father, as a husband, what originally oh, no. uh, encouraged Andy, you to Andy, go down this going, route? You're, you're, you're going back in the skeletons <laughs> in the closet. That's right. Uh, the year was 2003. Uh, truthfully, the year was 2003. I was a junior in college going through a breakup and my ex-girlfriend was posting pictures on MySpace yeah. of her new life. This grand uh, new boyfriend she had that wasn't me and I I found myself kind of in this pitfall of knowing that that hurt, that truth hurt, but then almost like this inability to stop checking and looking. So I felt the emotional tug of war that existed in my online life and in my physical reality. And that birthed this awareness that what I do on the internet impacts my emotion and mood. Mm-hmm. And as a, a Enneagram type two a helper, or as a ENFJ, which is just like the touchy feely type, right? I've always been attuned to my emotions and the energy in the rooms I walk into. And then when you combine that with the way that content or environmental impact like the internet or MySpace at that time impacts how you feel, you know, that was really the birth of this idea of like, okay, how does, how do I better self-manage my time online, which then led to 
a uh, bootstrap startup that was a plugin for your browser that allowed you to self-manage your time online. It was kind of like a, a good channeling of the pain into a, hey, I know others feel the same way because both I asked them and then I heard other war stories of, you know, buying things on eBay with student loan debt, right? Or, uh, you know, you know, just spending all your hard-earned work on Craigslist Marketplace or a number of things that were happening in the early internet era. But uh, one thing's held true from then through the present day is that what you do on, uh, online has a direct impact on how you think, how you feel, and the way you, you know, use your energy that, that God gives you each day that you're alive. It's a great mission you're on. It's something that I know a lot of people struggle with. I struggle with it personally. Let's talk about the the marriage and kids aspect of things. How can somebody who's not digitally well as a father or, or a mother, how could that affect family life? You know, I'm going to borrow a conversation I had in bed with my wife last night where she was listening to a podcast with Kristen Bell and Oprah. And uh, Good crew. Yeah, good crew. And Oprah said, (laughs) in every one of the interviews I've done, people want three things. They want to be seen, they want to be understood, and they want to be heard. Mm -hmm. And I think when you translate that to the kind of like family time, and you think about like, you know, you sit down at the end of the day, you get the kids out of bath and into bed and... All of that goes into that process. And then it's finally your downtime to connect with your spouse. They're not looking at you. They're not listening to you. And you feel like you're not even there. And sometimes that's not intentional, but it's just the convenience of like, hey, I've got my phone. I'm listening to you, Andy. I really want to know what you want to say. And that next, my wife, by the way, just texted me. <laughs> I love it. She's more important yeah, than oh me. My so gosh, I'll let that slide. No, no, she's good. Okay, all right, we're good. But you find yourself in this like uh, and my wife's bless her heart I love her dearly disclaimer <laughs> is that she'll say like I can do both and yes you know what she probably can do both but what I'm really saying is I need you to be with me because right. I miss you I long for you and I want to connect with you so just give me five minutes listen to the story fully that might be me over indexing my needs as a more needier kind of you know connector but I think at the core she wants the same thing too yeah. creating space in your relationship to disconnect, even if it's like the pre-conversation leading up to the Netflix binge that you're about to do, give yourself some space to blend that analog and and digital life. I can see that, especially for somebody like you or me that requires that connection, almost feeling starved if there's something physically blocking your ability to connect. Mm -hmm. And with kids, that's something that we probably need to demonstrate by example, right, as parents. Yes. I've heard many people speak on digital wellness or give their two cents on like the parent-kid relationship. There's apps, there's tools, there's things I probably recommended, but I've been humbled by the truth that the best thing you can do for your kids is you can model the way. And that's probably the hardest truth to accept often when, you know, we've got the demands of sometimes more than more than one job and more than one plate that we're spinning that's got to keep the lights on and the mortgage paid, et cetera, et cetera. And you kind of, you lose out on the fact that like, if I'm telling my 12-year-old or my six-year-old, put your iPad away or, you know, get your phone away from the dinner table, but then I'm making exceptions for myself, that's a counter-cultural message to our kids and, you know... 
Oh, absolutely. And I will label myself as a hypocrite right away because I do that to my daughter. She likes her phone and she likes to watch her shows and things like that. And likes to fidgets are a really important thing for her right now. They like to play with fidgets, fidget, spinner, and fidget yeah, videos yeah, and things yeah, like that. Yeah. And I'm often being like, hey, you've been on your phone too long or, you know, you need to put that away. But then am I limiting myself in the same fashion? Right. Uh, and I and quite often I, I'll say that I'm not. I need to improve there. The things that I say that she needs to do as a responsible person with their phone or their devices I need to be modeling as well and I think that's it's a really good point because she's going to listen more if I show her the way as opposed to finger wagging and telling her what's right yeah and I I heard a term once called weapons of mass destruction Mm. or I'm sorry weapons of mass distraction 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 destruction was its original form Mm -hmm. but yeah I think like going back to uh, the uh, wisdom of Oprah (laughs) which really just crosses over all probably uh, you know philosophies and religious beliefs but like you want to be seen you want to be heard you want to be loved you want to be known right so if you are distracted from those truths, which most of our life, most of the days we are Mm -hmm. susceptible to that distraction. How do we ground ourselves or center ourselves? Just giving ourselves 10% more of a likelihood of showing that person the love, the respect, the attention that they deserve and need. And it starts with kind of how do we do that for ourselves? So that way we can fill ourselves up with enough listening, patience, and compassion for ourselves, and then pour that out to others. It's 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 not easy, Andy. I know you know that. I even think of another funny story that I heard recently, back to like the marriage dynamics. But there was a a wife that had confessed in a session I was leading. She goes to bed to and snuggles with Instagram. <laughs> now she shared this as if Instagram was this human being but what she was saying was like i just want to go lay in the fetal position in my bed and snuggle with instagram (laughs) you know and many of us use alcohol caffeine sugar media as ways to distract us from the pain of the day and there's so much pain in the world we're living in there's a lot at play in our digital wellness knowing that your emotional connectedness your mental health your spiritual health all of these these things are playing into how we're kind of interpreting our digital lives but again just be mindful and i'll look to the look to the listeners be mindful that you want to be known you want to be heard you want to be loved you want to be seen you don't need to necessarily express those things just through social media and what you do online and and that's that's the age all like axiom of like how do you do that as a content creator (laughs) and as a a self-promoter and all these things it's just really uh, I don't I don't have all the answers but I do have some uh, important prompts that we can that we're talking about today. Well I think we started today because originally I reached out to you via email and we connected through my Calendly app or whatever and we had some conversations there and we were set to talk to each other on Skype or Zoom yeah and then yesterday, I'm, I'm like preparing for the interview. I'm like researching you a little bit more. I'm like, man, we need to do this in person. He's in Metro Detroit. He's yes. like 20 minutes away from me. Yes. Talk about the courage to connect. So yes. I'm glad you accepted and yes. came over here and we were actually having a, able to have this conversation in person. But honestly, I'll put my hand up and say, I'm addicted to my devices. And I am. It's one of those things where I've created a job for myself that requires social media attention, that requires a focus on email, and that requires me to be on YouTube, TikTok, what are all these ones? I don't right. even know about TikTok a couple, couple months ago, but then I got an opportunity to make videos for somebody on TikTok. So I'm like, I got to learn that too. Yeah, yeah. So I guess my question is somebody like me or even just an employee that has some requirements to be connected, 
how can we start to make steps towards digital wellness if we are saying, hands up, I'm addicted? Yeah, well, I think that's a great question you pose, and probably most listeners can relate to that in some form or fashion. So you use the word steps, and I'm going to use the word baby steps. There you go. So there's two things that come to mind. It's baby steps, of small shifts create, it's, you're, you're a finance guy, right? It's yeah. compounding interest, right? There you go. So compounding change of any sort requires tiny discipline deposits. So if you can begin saying, okay, I'm going to spend my first 10 minutes of the day not with my phone, maybe in gratitude, or for me, I read my devotionals and scripture and kind of get into the word before I get into the way of the world. And uh, whatever it is for you, just center yourself in a 10 minute routine. This is an example. And think of it like your brain is a sponge. It wakes up thirsty. It like needs purple Gatorade bad. Riptide Rush is on its mind. (laughs) And you don't have the Riptide Rush right by your side, right? But you have your phone or you have like this thing called the sun that's lifting you up. And then you have these rhythms that invite you into giving thanks and praise for what the day beholds and that you're breathing again, that you're standing again, that your eyes see again. So it's like, how do you start to shift those first 10 minutes knowing that the sponge that is your brain, whatever it soaks up in that first 10 minutes is going to ring out. So if you flag a bunch of emails in bed while holding in your pee from the night before, and then you step out to see your daughter has just wet her bed and your wife, you know, forgot to put the filter on the coffee machine and you're like coming into chaos and you just flagged a bunch of emails increasing your cortisol and your anticipatory kind of state it's a lose-lose for everyone you happen to a moment of gratitude you get in your routine of stretching you don't have your screen in front of you just your first 10 minutes you walk into that situation you might have a little bit more awareness to respond to your wife and your daughter than you would if you were to react to them when you're already in a heightened state from the digital kind of drama you just consumed So a baby shift is your first 10 minutes, create new habits that are analog in nature that give, uh, stir a heart of thanks and praise and set you up for success. So that way, when you step into the next eight hours of your digital life, you've at least started on the right foot. I love that. And it is something that I have been working on for the past couple of years. One thing I think maybe in the last call it six to nine months, it was that moment of what's right next to me when I wake up. Mm-hmm. And I think it was watching the social dilemma that changed that for me, the Netflix yes. documentary where it was next to me cause it was convenient. It was charging and you know, I could look at it before I went to bed and I could look at it when I woke up. But then I realized why is that my first reaction? Right? So after watching that documentary, which I would recommend or even just obviously reading Mark's book, I started to put my phone down in the laundry room, like where you walked in, you saw over to the left, uh, the, the laundry room. So it's far away from me so that because I'm aware of my addiction, it would be away from me so that I could do my gratitude in the morning, do a daily affirmation, write down what my plan is for the day, go for a walk, stretch, exercise before yeah. I dive into the world of what might be on my social media or what might be on my email. So I completely agree with Mark. This has been a transformational 10 minute change that could mean the world for you. Let's talk about some specifics with the phone, right? Before you go there, I just had this moment of the mom listening to say, but I have a two-year-old and a Mm one-year-old and my first 10 minutes is jeopardized 50% of the week. Mm, Interesting. Could be a mom, could be a dad, doesn't have to be a mom, but- it's also not a perfect science. You don't need to do it every day. Right. Right. Going back to compounding interest, if you even made deposits three out of seven days out of the week, you're building that nest egg of hope for when your kids are older and you've built those routines and rhythms, 
you then might have five days one week or you know a month straight where you do it every day and you're like wow this is really building the mindset and the and the patterns that i know yield the best version of i me. completely agree yeah i mean especially if you i'm the guy that's like hey if i'm gonna do a goal i'm gonna do it right every day and then a lot of the time i end up failing because i try to put it too far out there but take your micro step and do it. Hey man, if you did it one time this week, that's a win, right? And then celebrate that win and then compound from there. We'll be back to the show after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking time to consider our sponsors, everyone. Let's jump back into the show. Let's help people with social media because it keeps getting more addicting, I think, honestly, the way that they're developing it and keeping people on the device themselves. And obviously, there's there's been a lot of positives to that, connecting further. But what are some habits, some healthy habits we can have with social media that could make the consumption not bad, but but uh, a way for us to be digitally well. Yeah, I like that. So um, in the book, Courage to Connect, the way that I have kind of laid out, it's a book of stories that encourage meaningful connections. And at the end of each story, it's giving the reader a moment to reflect on the story they read and then invites them into a way to connect online and a way to connect offline. 
So as an example, there's a story in there about, there's a gentleman that I met. I won't share the whole story other than to say that it was a homeless man that I met in the streets of Detroit. And we had what started off as a two minute encounter that led to a two month experience. You'll have to read it. But what the story taught me was the importance of caring for others, not controlling the outcomes that you often kind of make up in your mind when you're in that space of wanting to control. So then translating that to your online and offline life is how do you invite people into a moment for caring online? And that could look as simple as making a random donation to a GoFundMe page that you read a story that you connect with and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this family's going through this. I feel encouraged to give. Give. Don't just wait for the moment to pass. Don't click to the next tab. Give. And you know what? You might even want to share so others can give. That's kind of a courageous move for you that might not be a traditional way that you show up online. So that's one way. Offline in that story is that find somebody that needs care. It's probably a neighbor that lives near you that needs something that you have that you're aware of if you just ask or put yourself out there. So I think connection is taking on a whole new meaning and the way that we're doing that online because it's been an amazing meeting for us to maintain the world economy, right? Through Zoom and Teams and all these things. But I think it goes back to like, we are warm-blooded creatures interfacing in cold-blooded environments. <laughs> and these two worlds need to start to, to intersect together. And I think c- courage is one of the conduits that allows us to get there. Nicole and I had a conversation on our segment that we do every Friday about putting positivity out there online as well because there's a lot of negativity out there so even small business what can you do to provide a review that said hey thank you so much for this kind interaction that i had at your hair salon or or whatever anything like that where you're taking the ability to use this world connecting medium for good so i really like that that's great let's talk about email obviously email can be something that can grab a hold of us and it seems never-ending are there any healthy habits that we can be better with our email. Honestly, I struggle with it. I, I struggle with it. I Maybe I read the four-hour work week maybe right, a, right. A, eight years ago or something like that, and he's like, just check it for 10 minutes, and then you know, you're saying that that's the time. I do that to an extent, but I'm still bombarded in there, and it just seems like a never-ending hole. I don't know if there's any other suggestions you have with regard yeah, to that. Yeah, I'd say that's my vice, too. Yeah. If there's one vice, it's it's email. That's where I'm checking most. And part of it's, uh, it's rooted in fear, right? Fear and, and compulsivity. I had this interesting experience where two years ago, I uh, officially went independent. So prior to that, I was hustling on the side and building my brand and my following the whole bit. I noticed that in the transition from being a uh, contributor to small teams in both tech companies and creative agencies, and then transitioning on my own, just the sheer amount of email I got was less. So that was like a step towards like realizing I heard the great Ashton Kutcher say that email is everyone else's to-do list for you. Ah, that's so true. Email is everyone else's to-do list for you. So just by sheer like numbers of like interfacing with 15 people on a small team daily and emails back and forth and slacks and the whole bit, it just compounds over time. And then you're just, you just have more meetings, more opportunities to say yes or no and more guilt to drive you towards getting invited to things that you don't necessarily need to be on. So shrinking that time gave me the awareness of, okay, the digital day has leaned up for me. And then how do I then put that with a discipline around like waiting for that contract to come back signed, right? Right. And also realizing that like, 
really nothing good happens over email after like 11 p.m. at night, I've learned, you know? So just create some boundaries of like, if you are a compulsive checker like you and I are, just make a commitment to yourself that you're not going to let email define your success, nor are you going to let it define your sleep patterns. So those would be two spaces, success and sleep, that I would try to remove email away from. Yeah, because it is amazing that one digital something on your phone could interrupt your night's sleep. Yes. I mean, it's... Amazing and sad. So with that in mind, as you're saying, create those boundaries so that it's not interrupting your sleep, your health, your your mental wellness right. to move forward. So I, I completely agree with you there. Absolutely. So one other area that I wanted to focus on, we talked about kids a little bit and we talked about their ability to handle these devices and the, and the adult nature that we're having of, of this yes. conversation right now. Is there a too early for kids to have their devices? Is there a safe zone? Is it all particular? What do you think? I think that uh, as parents, you are your best observers of your kids' behavioral kind of journey, their needs, the uniqueness that makes them. So I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all answer. I think it's more about like how close are you to your kids? And when the time comes to allow your kid to get a phone or allow your, your, your child to play you know, online video games or whatever, whatever the, 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 their flavor is, invite them into the conversation. Hey, how many hours do you think is enough for you this week? You know, Give them kind of the power just to see if they have they might even have a number less than you or a, some sort of boundary that is better than yours, right? So invite them into the conversation. The other thing, just the observation of the touchscreen generation, right, which is our kids. Yes. A couple of things that I've just been kind of like reflecting on lately, Andy, is like, how many times do our kids have us say, hey, let me, let me take a picture real quick. You know, it's like these kids have like paparazzi parents that we are guilty of. And it's like, uh, when you think about the forced emotional state of like, I know you had a temper tantrum 30 seconds ago, but grandma wants a picture with you so she can share on social media. Even if this event was a complete bust and everyone's ready to go home because they're over sugared and overtired, let's get that picture that displays what I'm calling a state of gramfulness. So it's like you've got sheer, you're grateful and you're experiencing the great, the, the great things that happens when you're together as a family. But oftentimes we're more focused on capturing the gramful experience. And I think not only do our kids get the short end of the stick in that, that experience, but we're also losing out on opportunities to truly connect with the kids. My wife and I experienced this on Lake Michigan two weeks ago on our summer vacation where my wife like she's definitely the Instagram like expert like with stories and stuff I'm just I'm on Instagram but I don't know how to do any of that stuff she's getting the sunset picture the kids are holding hands and I just got done with like two minutes earlier a meltdown with my daughter with the sand and it like all over her body and my son it was too cold to go swimming and it just rained so like he's testing the waters on trying to go swimming with his like you know, civilian clothes on so like there was high intensity leading up to what the audience, the users, the followers saw, which was this cramful moment of our kids on Lake Michigan. And all the while, I was actually wondering, did we really experience with all of our five senses what our children were just doing? Walking on the sand, digging up shells. Wasn't a perfect day, but it was a perfect moment. Or were we technically focused on getting the story, capturing the moment, putting the filter on there, and displaying it for those that could see, right? That's true. And I see myself doing that. And actually, I see my kids 
almost, uh, I don't want to say rolling their eyes because they're not rolling their eyes, but feeling a little bit disappointed that I'm stopping the moment for the picture. It's like, dad, let's just, let's just do something. And I'm like, well, I want to capture it so that we remember whether I posted on Instagram or not. I like collecting these photos so that, because I have a horrible memory, I like looking back and remembering these. So this is the same argument my wife and I are in, and I'm not going to immediately put you on the, uh, in in the same place, but it's like, (laughs) it's like our long-term memory was developed for us to store things of significance. Mm. And the way they become significant is if we experience them with all, all our senses. So you go to the, the Comerica Park or Tiger Stadium for the first time, you smell the hot dogs, you feel the sunshine walking into the Comerica Park, right? And you hear the audience cheering, you hear the crack of the bat, you feel the stickiness of the bathroom floors. All of those senses are engaged to create long-term memory. When we are literally focused on the technical nature of picture and capture and focus and this where we our brains aren't in a brain state to literally put those into long-term memory so we are storing those in the cloud not in our hearts <laughs> and it's it's tough right because like the stories in the book you'll say how on earth did mark get the pictures to support these stories it's because i was doing the same thing i just was encouraging us not to do <laughs> so there's this fine line of like do you feel encouraged is your spirit telling you to capture this moment because you know you have a story that's going to share an impact or are you just taken to take you know it's yeah. like to take or not to take. <laughs> uh, that gives me something to think about. And I think the whole point here is at least to be aware mm. of what we're doing mm-hmm. and know that there is an impact, a long-term impact, not only as parents, but within our relationships or our businesses for that matter. So I know you're on a mission here. I like what you're doing with the book. I like the conversations you're having here. You're moving this conversation forward. Where do you see this mission going over the next, call it five, 10 years? What's your hope for maybe our generation, our kids? What is your hope? I'll share a little bit of both. I had read the book, Think and Grow Rich, many years ago by Napoleon Hill. Great book. And uh, for those that have read it or haven't read it or need a refresher, you know, Napoleon Hill interviewed all of these like brilliant minds, not suggesting our minds are brilliant, but every mind is brilliant, right? The potential of everyone's mind is brilliant. And it basically led that, Do you have a burning desire for something? Do you believe that it's already in existence? And do you have the resilience to pursue it against all odds? And about 10 years ago, I wrote kind of my definite chief aim, right? And I said, by the year 2025, I would essentially be highly influential in the space of digital wellness, speaking, products, gadgets, you know, now more message awareness building on ways to shape and create digital wellness at homes, schools, churches, communities, etc. And here we are in 2021 and I feel the, you know, the momentum, the inertia of that definite chief aim beginning to build. So I feel very grateful to be both on mission in mission and, you know, moving forward as for some of the predictions, I believe that there'll be a uh, generation of what I like to call dippies or digital hippies and the These are uh, kids that go back to peace, love, and rock and roll, and maybe a flip phone or maybe no phone, but they've seen their parents, their teachers, their counselors get burnt out from the distractions of, you know, 
social media and smartphones. I think another thing that'll be interesting, and I'm glad we're putting this on recording, is that like you've heard some of this with the wearables and such, where like, you know, the phone really is a, a pretty inconvenient thing to kind of like pull yeah, out of your pocket, right. get the lint out. Keeps getting you bigger know, too. Keeps getting bigger, right? <laughs> so it's like, so it's like there'll probably be some other like, you know, medium that we are connected to the digital life that allows us to have a little bit more of a seamless experience. So mm. not tripping into that too much. Um, the last prediction I have is that, and we're starting to see this now kind of in the, in the great resignation, some people are calling it, where those that have experience work from home yeah. and then they are realizing that it's allowed them to have dinners with families, go to baseball games, have a date night at home with your wife or your husband, whatever the case is. People want that. And that's becoming an expectation. I believe employees now have the, the power to demand that. So the great resignation is people that are coming in to say, to conscious awareness, to say, I, I, I want that. And if you're not offering that, I'll find it somewhere else. Oh, and P.S., I think the industry of the work I was doing didn't provide any meaning to my livelihood. <laughs> so if I'm going to make a living, I want to make one that allows me to actually live. Yeah. It's going to be interesting how this all kind of takes shape, but all that's to say is that a, a prediction that I hope and pray is that the significance of family structure becomes a core value of organizations that want to attract the top talent. Because when you, when you have healthy families, the economies of those communities are thriving. The school and the teaching and the, uh, you know, those in need are being served at a greater, greater level. So my hope is that we can, you know, begin leaning on the significance of family in the great digital divide and uh, providing opportunities for making moments that truly matter, not just moments that uh, are gram worthy. Yeah, absolutely. Because with families, you have the ability to connect and be heard as well. Yes. Which is great. Yes. It just makes you feel, makes you feel happy. Absolutely. Well, let's leave people with one piece of advice. If they want to become more digitally well, Yes. Starting today, a micro step, what would you encourage them to do today? What's an easy thing for them to do either today or, or tomorrow? Take one hour of a digital fast. I don't care when it is. One hour a day. For me, it's that first hour in the morning. So I don't get on my phone or the computer for the first hour. And that's my, that's my space. That's my time. Sometimes it's making pancakes with the kids. Sometimes it's yelling at the dogs. Sometimes <laughs> it's you know having an extra 10 minutes with my wife in the kitchen. So that one hour for me, make it the same hour for you. So that way we're creatures of habit. You get used to that. Oh, that's my hour, right? Yeah. So just take a digital fast for one hour a day and give yourself the grace to know that you're going to fail on these digital kind of dimensions that we've, we're, t we're talking about or these, these baby steps. And when you fail, that's okay. Just restart the next week or, you know, start again, G give yourself the grace to know that this is a, it's going to be a journey. Yeah, I, I like that challenge. And, and I like Mark's first point that he made right when we started. This isn't about eliminating your device. We understand the importance of these in our lives. And, and a lot of times they are helpful to what we need. But like anything, too much of anything can be, you know, can be disastrous in, in certain cases. So find a way to be digitally well in your life, just like you would with your own physical health, your own mental health and everything. So let's talk about where people can find this awesome book. Yeah. So I wanted to share with you, I want to um, give any reader that's listening to this a free ebook. Awesome. So Excellent. Uh, there'll be a link that people can click on to follow up with and everyone will have a chance to uh, download a copy of Courage to Connect, stories that encourage meaningful connection. And then those that want to buy the physical book, Check it out on Amazon or on my website, markostash.com. Well, Mark, thank you so much. I appreciate that. It was great to meet you in person. Likewise, and thanks for coming yeah. over. See you thanks, later. Everybody. 
Digital wellness. Yes, this is something I am working on personally, and I'm sure a lot of you out there are as well. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Mark Ostach. Number one, create digital boundaries. Sometimes I find myself scrolling on my phone at night, laying in bed, or even after work or after the school day when the kids get home. I don't like this habit that I have, and I want to change it. So I've been working on some rules for myself, but you know I've fallen off of some of those rules. I'm falling off the wagon during the craziness of the pandemic, and even with summer, you know, completing here. Now that we are back in school, though, my goal is to be off my phone after school and on the weekends. So this is going to allow me to be present, and it's also going to allow my mind to settle down. Sometimes. When I'm on my phone, whether it's email or social media, what I've read kind of sticks in my brain for too long, and it just sort of lingers in there. And at times, it can mess up my sleep. Now, I don't know if this happens with you guys, or you you don't have to do the same thing that I'm doing, but maybe take a moment to think if you could use some digital boundaries with your device time. If it's something you want to improve, maybe make a goal this month and see if you can meet it. Number two, be willing to say no. Sometimes I feel when I'm not responding to all my email or my comments or my texts or my phone calls or my DMs or whatever, I feel like I have unfinished business to attend to. And I'm sometimes unable to completely rest. And I need to stop that. I'm not going to be able to do all of that and be a good dad and be a good husband and a good small business owner, a good son, or somebody who's involved in their community and wants to give back. It's just too much. I have the disease of too much. My wife calls me and, 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 Andy. (laughs) But I have to remember that when I say no to one thing, I'm actually saying yes to another. I'm saying yes to more family time. I'm saying yes to more relaxation. I'm saying yes to a lower stress life. So saying no isn't all that bad. Number three, start the day on a positive note. How many times have you picked up your phone right when you wake up and you read a work email or a news headline that brings you down? You know what I'm talking about. This is the first message you're presenting your brain with as you wake up. A message of stress, a message of conflict, a message of worry. And that can have a ripple effect across your entire day. Your stress can get passed on to your spouse with those thoughts, with your tone, with your just general aura. And then your spouse's stress gets passed on to the kids and their day ends up being sad. So instead, as Mark alluded to, make the first moments of your day positive. Make them stress-free. Make them relaxing. Or at least venture to go that way. Try reflecting on things you're grateful for, first thing. Or try getting outside for some exercise, first thing. Or doing something kind for your spouse or your kids, first thing. Starting your day off this way may just make your entire day much brighter. And not just your day, but your entire family. Well, those are my top three takeaways, everyone. I would love to hear from you on what yours were. Please hit me up on social media at Andy Hill MKM 
and let's keep the conversation going. And of course, when you hit me up on social media, create some boundaries. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific situation. A big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for editing our show today and to We're Digital Marketing for your support with my Instagram channel, which has grown immensely over the past couple of months. I am very, very grateful to those business leaders over there at Weird Digital Marketing, two strong females that I'm very happy to be working with. If you're interested in connecting with me on Instagram and seeing some goofy reels that I've been making, and even Nicole joins in at times to kind of poke fun at me, which is fun, you can follow me at Andy Hill MKM. But again, in the spirit of this episode, let's consume that social media in moderation. <laughs> Before we go for the day, I want to ask you to do one quick thing to support this show. Join me for our free Facebook group, Thriving Families. This is a free group where we're helping young families build wealth and thrive. And when we start out a new month, we ask each other to share the goals that we're working on. And earlier this month, we heard from Mani, and she shared this. Exploring strategic nonprofit slash charitable giving, working on percentages, not just 10% to religious, but perhaps include animal, children, medical, crisis, rescue organizations that help those in need. So her example is 5% to religious, 1% to children's hospital, 1% to animal rescue group, 1% to hunger or homeless organization, 1% to a local United Way or a similar organization, and then 1% to American Red Cross or a similar organization to a total of 10% monthly charitable giving. I love this idea. Nicole and I actually created our own version of 10% giving that we love to do too. You know, So getting inventive with how you want to give may just inspire you to do more of it. <laughs> so congratulations on this goal, Monty, and thank you for sharing it in our group. We look forward to hearing how it goes for you. So can I get a round of applause for our friend Monty for sharing her big giving goal? Way to go. Very cool. Thank you, Monty. If you want to share your goals and be held accountable for them, please join us at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. We hope to see you there. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Pythagoras. The great science to live happily is to live in the present. See what you can do to live in the moment today, my friends. Carpe diem. 